So last week, we spoke around the, the word, the prophetic word that came to the house for Pastor Tony, and therefore us. And so I want to carry on from that place uh, in a different way. So we, was, we spoke about how we must, if we do not take our faith and apply it with the word and transact with the Holy Spirit in faith, then the word will never profit us. Is that right? Then the word will never profit us. And if the word doesn't profit us, then we fall into religious patterns and we also are never able to truly see the kingdom for what the kingdom is. Yeah? So, the title I've put for this, for this, uh, for the sermon this morning is The Call to Be Ready. So, we'll see if that is, is, is apt by the end. Now, this morning, um, just, I don't, know, I don't know why I did, I just did. Um, I'm using quite a lot of reference from the New American Standard Bible. So, I've always been an NIV man. I still am an NIV man. But, I do, I, I just felt, you know, sometimes when you look at different translations, it's good to look at different translations of the word, because some things just highlight things a little differently. So, I'm going to be flicking a little bit, so I'll let you know. But, for the first... Four or five scriptures we're using the, the New American system. It's a couple of words different. And there are a couple of Americanisms. Really don't like Americanisms because I'm English. <laughs> this is our language. What are they doing putting their language in our Bible? <laughs> so I don't know. Um, but we'll, we'll put up with it. We'll put up with the Americanisms. So for, if you turn with your Bibles, if you can, to 1 Peter chapter 1. 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 13. And it says this in 1 Peter 1, chapter 13. Therefore, prepare your minds for action. Keep sober in spirit. Fix your hope completely on the grace of to be brought to you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. Therefore, prepare your minds for action. So we've got here, Peter is speaking that there's, there's got to be, our minds have to be ready for action. That means you've got to be ready to do something with something, even before it happens. You know, when, you get, when, you've got a, when you've got an athlete or a footballer before a match, their minds are ready for action. They've got them, they are focused on that which is about to come. They don't know what's going to happen in a match. You've got a racing driver. Lewis Hamilton will be right, driving around at 200 miles an hour at some point. His mind is ready for action because if he's not, he's going to go off in a corner at 200 miles an hour and have a really good relationship with a barrier. We must see that our minds must be ready for action. But our spirits, it says, keep sober in spirit. Now, when you look at the word sober, it's seriousness. There's a seriousness that must come when we're listening to the prophetic word. And we're talking about the grace that has to come. That wants, that, that's going to come onto the house. A fresh grace that's going to come into your life and my life. But before that, but it says here that before any of that, before we get to the grace bit, 
We've got to be prepared and ready for action, whatever that may be. And in our spirit, we must be sober. We must be ready. We can't be, well, you know, my spirit's all just, just flying away. It's, it, it's, it's not about that. It's about there is, a, there is a seriousness. But in that seriousness, if we are serious in spirit about what we are hearing from God, then there is also an openness and a humility that comes from your heart. In order for your spirit to be open, your heart has to be open. So if you're serious in your spirit about that which you're hearing, then that means your heart is open. And when your heart is open, and the, remember the, 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 spirit, the mind follows the spirit. So when the spirit is serious about the things that God is saying, then our mind then has to come into alignment and be ready for wherever the spirit takes you, for whatever the spirit says. Amen? And then we fix our hope completely on the grace. But when? To be brought to you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. The grace cannot come into operation. We can't fix our hope on grace until there has been a revelation of Jesus Christ. We've been speaking all year about revealing Christ. Have we not? Revealing Christ. So it is, it is this revelation of Jesus that enables the grace to come into action. The grace is just stood there waiting. It's waiting for you. And we can see, I want you to turn your Bibles, if you will, to Matthew 16. I want to, I want to emphasize this. You know, I love this, that when, I, when I saw this, that who, we've got to look at, this is Peter speaking about this. So this is Peter saying, have your minds ready for action. Have your spirit sober and ready, open and humble, and your heart's the same. And then fix your hope on the grace at the revelation of Jesus Christ. Okay? So he's saying this. So we, and what's great is the word shows us why this man can say that. Because in Matthew 16, you all know the scripture. And Jesus, he said to them, who do you say that I am? Who do you say that I am? And who was it who responded? It was Peter. He said, Peter answered, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. And Jesus said to him, blessed are you, Simon, Bajona, Barona, I don't know what, what it is. Because flesh and blood did not reveal this to you, but my father in heaven. See, what we can see out of this is this. Peter's mind was ready to follow Jesus wherever he went. When you look at the account, Jesus called him from his boat. And the moment Jesus called him, he dropped everything and went with him. So there's something about Peter that was, that was prepared, that God had prepared his mind for action. And as, as, Jesus was, as, as he started to follow Jesus, and he was hearing that which was coming into him, that was, that was that what Jesus was speaking. He was ready. He was seeing and he was ready. His mind was ready. I've already left. I've already put to one side my priority is no longer my business. It's no longer my fisherman. He's a simple guy, Peter. He's a simple bloke. He's not a complicated bloke. Which is why sometimes he was a bit of a fool. But we'll come to that later. But Peter was ready to follow Jesus wherever he went him. When the word of God comes, the prophetic word comes to us as a house, we have to be ready to go where the word he takes us. We can't just go, well, that's fine, I'm ready to go, but only if it's down 
that street. Only if it's down in that way. Because that's me then dictating what God can and can't do and where God can and can't go. And also, we see Peter's spirit was humble and it was open and it was serious about God. God doesn't just going to reveal himself to someone who isn't serious about him. This, this was the first man. There was 12 disciples. And there was also a crowd of people that came around Jesus. Because when Jesus called, he called the 12 out of more than just 12. He didn't just find 12 people and that was it. There were others that followed him. But Peter was ready. Peter had set his heart and his spirit that there's something that this man says that does something on the inside of me. And I don't fully understand it. But then God says, I can work with that heart. That spirit's open. So when that spirit became open, the revelation, the greatest revelation you'll ever know is that who Jesus is. And Peter had that experience. People, Peter had that encounter. That crisis, it obviously wasn't in that conversation. Whether, whether, whether it was in that conversation at that moment or whether that was something that Peter in his private time God had revealed to him and, as Jesus, and Jesus asked the question because he knew what was already in Peter's heart. We don't know, the Bible doesn't say. But it doesn't matter. It had hit him. It received him. So Peter was able to put his hope in Jesus Christ. And on the grace that says, I, I don't know where this man's going to take me, but I know you're the Christ. And because I know you're the Christ, if you tell me I can go somewhere, I can go somewhere. Because he believed that there was a grace that came and he fixed his hope on that grace. Not on his own ability, not on his own training, not on his own understanding but that there was something more powerful than him operating inside his life. So long as he was, his mind was ready to go wherever, to take responsibility that whatever was coming, because when we talk about our mind must be ready for action, that might mean that God brings something into your life that says, this is what I want you to do, but maybe you don't have the training for that. So maybe you've got to go get the training for that. So your mind has to be ready. You know, Lisa Tilbrook, who's not here, she was... She's wanted to be a teacher. So when God, when she was asking God, what do I do? What do I do? Right, God says, go and be a teacher, then that's fine. Go and learn. So what did she do? She's gone and got a degree. She had to apply her mind, but her spirit was open, say, God, I'm going to teach for you. It's not that I want to be a school teacher or whatever, it's I'm going to be a teacher. And now she's having to, she's, the grace is now beginning to operate. She now has to take but she had to take responsibility first. Do you see what I mean? I'm not highlighting her above anyone else. I'm just saying it because it's the thing that came to my mind. She had to, it wasn't just, her mind had to do something. We have to use, God gives us gifts and skills, but we have to take responsibility and be ready to do something with what God places in our hearts. It's not just all, well, because the grace is here, the, ooh, it, just, it, just, it just happens. It doesn't just happen. Our minds and our spirits must come together. And so, but this is what Jesus says in the, next, in the next verse. I also say to you that you are Peter. And upon this rock, I will build my church. And the gates of Hades will not overpower it. So we see this pattern of this man. Whose mind is ready. For whatever God says, 
I'll, I'll, put my, I'll put whatever ability I have and I'll apply it to whatever you tell me. I'll move wherever you want me to move me. My heart is serious about every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. My heart is open. And I now, because of I applied faith to the revelation of who Jesus is, the grace, I now place my faith in the grace to do more than my actual ability says I can do. This is the pattern of the, of the disciple that Jesus says, on that, I will build my church. On you, I will build my church. So I love the fact that we know that Peter, we know that he's not talking from just some hairy-fairy revelation. He can demonstrate it. This is the demonstration of that word in Matthew, that as he writes later letters, he can recount this is what happened to him. And I believe that as this prophetic word comes to us, the church will be built with those who have this revelation and only these can be the ones that the gates of Hades cannot overpower. If you do not believe, and this is what we're going we're to show, it is quite possible that we can say, yeah, on, on this I'm a disciple of Jesus, but on this rock, there's a difference between saying I will build my church and then the gates of hell will not prevail. You can't, if, if the grace is not operating in your life and, the, and there is no faith to believe the word, that has come to you, then the gates of hell will prevail over your life. And therefore, the church cannot be built. And so we have to, this is a, a true disciple will learn to operate the grace given to them out of that same revelation of Jesus Christ in order to build the kingdom of God. A grace is not given so that we can become famous or we can become brilliant or we can become better. And I want to show you how dangerous and how easily it is that even someone like Peter, how we can say as a disciple, I'll build my church in this, but how easy it is for us to fall away. And we must have this, we must see these dangers now and have our minds ready and our spirits sober and our hope fixed in order that we don't become what we, we don't want to become. Now, if we look in Luke 22, I don't know how long. Luke 22. Now, I'm going to focus on verse 31 to 34, but I want you to also write down because I deleted it and then realized I probably I deleted this part of the scripture and then probably thought I shouldn't have done. In Luke 22, and write down verse 24. To 30, initially. We're going to go, we're going to, we're going to look at a lot of chapter 22 of Luke. So just keep the whole chapter in mind. But this is going to be the main, a part of the main text. And it says that, from the NIV, a dispute rose among them as to which of them was considered to be the greatest. So you've got the disciples now. At Jesus, at the Last Supper, as Jesus is pouring out his heart, he'd wash the feet, and at the same table, they're having a conversation about who's the greatest. Now, let me, let me give you this. This is my, my insight into this. When we say who's the greatest, I don't imagine they were saying 
Here's John going, you know what? It's definitely got to be Peter. You're the greatest. You're so wonderful. You're just brilliant. The way you, you speak to the, to, to the Pharisees, the way there's... And then, and, then, and then Peter goes, no, 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 my dear brother. It's not me. It's Luke. Luke is the greatest. He is me. Look at the way he follows Jesus. Look at the way he does this. And Luke's going, no, 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 no. It's not me. Oh, no, not me. It's, it must be John. John must be... It must be John. I don't quite think it was quite like that. It wasn't that kind of dispute. Look at my grace. Look at what I've done. You know, I remember there was a, there was a, um, who's seen Lord of the Rings? The movies, right? Gimli and um, Legolas, so the elf and the dwarf, every time they were in a battle, they kept score. 18, 19. I'm already on 22. And another one goes, and he's like, I'm on 34. And it's like, and they're always trying to outdo each other. <laughs> the grace given to us is not so we can outdo each other. It's not made so that we can become the greatest. It's not made so that one receives the grace and the spirit and the this and the that, and they become this all-powerful, wonderful, we should all say, how great are they? Because the disciple says, it's on this rock, I'll build my church. You can't build a church with people who are competing against each other. The grace comes that we build his church on the revelation of Jesus Christ. Because it's not the grace, it's, the, not, our, it's not our skill, it's his grace that we put our hope in. I.e., without him, I can't do any of it. So Jesus says, and it's, he says to him. It's the, the kings and the, the Gentiles lord it over them and they exercise authority over them and they call themselves benefactors like, as if they're helping them. But you are not to be like that. The greatest among you should be like the youngest and the one who rules like one who serves. We rule like we serve. For who is the greater, the one who is at the table or the one who serves? Is it not the one who's at the table? But I am among you as one who serves. There's a servant heart that has to come out of everything we do. Otherwise, this grace and, this, and that what God wants to bring will, be, will end up contaminating us and will not build his house. It will just try and build an individual. And so easily we can call ourselves, oh yeah, disciples, because it's coming in me. But, if we become, but even the disciples who spend every day with Jesus are still arguing who's the greatest. That can't be something that happens in this house. And that's why if we don't, if our hearts are not open and our spirits are not sober to the word that comes to the house, we lose all perspective of that which God does in people's lives. We become jealous when someone rises. We go, why not me? Why didn't you do that with me? And we come from all different reasons as to why, well, they've had more this or they've had more that. No, we've got to, We've got to start to see God's perspective in all of these things. And we must be ready for action. So many of us, sometimes, we take hold of the word. The word comes and we spend a year or two trying to work. I'm just getting ready. It's just a big word that's come to me. Maybe you've had a prophecy over your life. It's a big word that's come to me. I don't know if I'm ready for that. You know, I'm, I'm just getting myself ready. I'm just getting myself ready. Well, how long are you going to get yourself ready? The point is that we are ready in our minds and humble in our spirits so whenever it comes, we're already ready to step in. 
Even if you go, whoa. Why? Because the hope is our faith goes, the grace will take me through. The grace will get me there. But then Jesus says this in 28 to 30. Luke 22, 28 to 30. You are those who have stood by me in my trials. And just as my Father has granted me a kingdom, I grant you that you may eat and drink at my table in my kingdom. And you will sit on thrones judging the 12 tribes of Israel. Now forget the thrones. We're not here to sit on thrones and judge people. That was specific. That word was for the disciples. But Jesus says, you are the ones who have stood by me in my trials. And you are the ones now that as I was given the gift of this kingdom, now I'm giving you the gift of this kingdom, but I will let you sit at my table and eat and drink of my food and my, and my drink. And he wasn't saying that to the greatest of them. He was saying that to all of them. Jesus' desire is that those who truly step into sonship and discipleship are those and are sons and daughters of the, and, and, and take this word that we all enter into the throne room together and we all sit at the same table with the same food, with the same revelation, with the same drink that sustains and gives us all that we need for life and godliness. Amen? But, as we'll see in a moment, Jesus says that you, you stayed with me through my trials. And that's because Jesus was going through his trials. Jesus is no longer going through trials anymore. We're the ones going through trials. So we've got to flip it. Are you willing to stay with Jesus through your trials? So easy when, you know, when Jesus, when, when we hear prophetic words, when we hear things that come, and we hear the goodness about it. But when the, the word says that there's going to be a shaking in the house, I've, this year, I have been shaken to the core. Every single part of my life has been shaken. And only now as this word comes do I understand that Jesus is saying, well, will you stay with me through your trials? Do you still believe and do you still, put, do you still have hope on the grace that given to you at the revelation of who I am. It's okay having the revelation of who I am. But we have to be ready to stay through with Christ and not walk away from Christ and not step back from Christ. I mean, how many? I mean, I've got to say, I'm going to be, I'm going to be honest. I can't say I've never walked away from Christ in my trials. I've never walked away from the faith, understand. But when I look back at my response, my actions the way I've not prayed, the way I've, my attitudes have changed, the way all my, the, my mind's got all confused and tainted and bitter. I've not stayed with Jesus through the trial because I didn't follow this principle that I was always ready. I was always humble. I was always able to see that which Christ was doing. Jesus has given us an, an, an ability now to understand these things now. So that when we, could, when we start to go through them, church, some of you might be going through some trials right now. Some of you will go through some trials. As you try and step into your grace, the grace that God has given you, we can't expect that things will always be easy. But if we don't have this understanding now, 
If my mind is ready for action when my trial comes, I'm prepared for it already. I'm prepared for the trial. doesn't matter when it comes. It doesn't mean it's not going to hurt. It doesn't mean it's not going to cause me to question things. It doesn't mean it's not, it's not going to cause... That's all right. We're allowed to question. We're allowed to have downtime. But will my faith remain in the grace given to me at the revelation of what Christ wants, not just I to do, but how I fit into what, this, what he wants in his kingdom and this house to do? And, he's, and he shows this when he speaks in Luke 22, 31 to 34. Yeah, I'm doing quite well for time. I might finish by 12 o'clock at this, right? <laughs> Sorry, I don't want to put false hope in you. <laughs> I'll just keep going until God says stop. Okay. Is it making sense so far? Yeah? Okay. So it says here, Simon, Simon, behold, Satan has demanded permission to sift you like wheat. Oh, that's not good. Satan has demanded, demanded, not politely asked, demanded. So this man, who was the first of the disciples to have the true revelation of who Christ was, a man that has has always been the forceful supporter of Jesus, Satan now says, let me get hold of him. No different to Job almost. Let me get hold of him. I want to sift him, see what's really there. See, this is really one of your disciples. And G- but I have prayed for you, says Jesus, that your faith may not fail. You see, we have to know that when we go through trials, Christ is on our side. Yes. Christ is interceding for us with his Father. Christ is on the Spirit. It goes with groans that we can't even know about, that we can't even express. Christ is not stood there watching just without sympathy, without, without compassion for us. But Jesus already knew what was coming. He already knew what was coming in Peter's life. He already knew what was about to happen. So he says, so even though he said, I pray that your faith may not fail, and you, when once you have turned again, strengthen your brothers. So that means Jesus already knew he was going to fall. Jesus knows that we're going to fall at some point. Jesus knows we have to know that the enemy is going to come and try and sift us at different times. We're naive if we think he's not going to come and try and do that. Because if you're doing something worthwhile for his kingdom, then it, it resonates in other places than the heavens. Yeah? But he said, once you have turned again, So Jesus has faith in us. Jesus has faith in you and I. That even though he knows we're human, he has the faith in us to say, I'll see you through it. So he's already instructing him after. So afterwards, when you've turned again, strengthen your brothers. Strengthen each other. Don't let your trial go to waste, but use it to glorify my name. But he said to him, Lord, and this is where, if Peter ever was going to say a statement 
that he would live to regret, this is the one. But Lord, with you, I am ready to go both to prison and to death. That's a bold statement. But so many times, but you have to think about it, they just had a dispute over who was the greatest. He made this comment before Jesus and before his, the other disciples. So maybe there was a little bit of excitement. I've got to make sure that I prove I'm the best. Well, I'm willing to die for you. I'm willing to go to death. I'm willing to go to prison. I'm willing because I'm faithful, because I'm awesome, because I'm amazing. And it's easy in these walls here to say those kinds of things. It's easy to hear the word and say that you're serious, to say that you're ready to, to move in that way, to say that you're going to go over it, you're going to take responsibility, I'm ready, I'm willing, I'm humble, and I've got the hope of faith, I've got faith. And then we make these, now I'm not saying don't ever say anything just in case you ever go back the other way. But Peter made such a strong statement. And, we can, and, and as, as, as disciples, when I saw this, I, I can see there's an element of Peter's heart where he's genuine. Of course he's genuine. The other part was he was trying to show off in front of his, 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 fellow, his fellow mates. And, pro, and actually, the foolishness of speaking to Jesus. But this is why I'm, I'm, I'm reading in Luke. Because there's, a, there's something I want to show you later. So it's easy when in church and in the presence of our brothers and sisters that we go all the way with Jesus. But he says, Peter... The rooster will not crow today until you have denied three times that you know me. Not even in, in the future, the same day. And how easy is it for us to say something in here and walk out of those doors? Let's have a look. Now he says this. I wasn't. Yeah, I'll do it. Jesus also says this, and I'm only going to touch slightly on this because I don't feel it's right to talk too much about it because it, it just isn't. But it says this, uh, following on from this scripture, uh, Luke 22, 35, 36, and 38. It says, and he said to them, when I sent you out before without money, so, so when I sent you out without money belt and bag and sandals, did you lack anything? Did you? And they went, No. We lack nothing. And he said to them, but now whoever has a money belt is to take it along. Likewise also a bag. And whoever has no sword is to sell his coat and buy one. And then he says something else, which is regarding him. And then in, 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 in verse 38 he says, they, they say to him, look, here are two swords. And he says to them, that's enough. And what I believe Jesus was saying was this. Is there's, the sword of, there's the sword of the Spirit, and we have the Word. We have the Word, we have the Spirit. If the two cannot combine, see, the, right, right this time, the disciples didn't need it. Why? Because Jesus was there. Jesus is there. When they went out into any marketplace, into any place, Jesus was with them. But we haven't got that now. But we have, when we sit at his table, we have the words of life. 
we are given the words of life. We are given the ability of the sword of the Spirit that allows us to cut through anything that tries to overcome that which God is trying to do in our lives. But if we don't understand how to use these swords, we all of a sudden become defenseless. And the grace in your life all of a sudden begins to fall away. Does that make sense? We have to take, we have been given the words of life. We carry the power of God inside us. But if we don't know how to use it, we don't have the faith that says, the grace says that just go. You might not have everything you need, but it's okay. If your mind's ready, your spirit's humble, and you put your hope in the grace of the revelation of me, I will provide. I will give you the words to say. I will show you how to go into violent places. I will show you how to go into hostile places. I will show you how you can accomplish more than you think you can't. What, what you can't accomplish, I can show you you can. And it's only when we have that, that all the word, that the prophetic word that we're hearing now can begin to come into reality in this house. But then we come to Jesus being arrested. And in Luke 22, 54 to 62, it says this. Having arrested him, they led him away and brought him to the house of the high priest. But Peter was following at a distance. After they had kindled a fire in the middle of the courtyard and had sat down together, Peter was sitting among them. And a servant girl, seeing him as he sat in the firelight and looking intently at him, said, This man was with him too. He denied it, saying, Woman, I don't know him. A little later, another man said, Another, another saw him and said, you're one of them too. But Peter said, man, I am not. Exclamation point, exclamation point. This was not a calm, I am not. This was, I am not. Vermently, I am not. After about an hour passed, had passed, another man began to insist, saying, certainly this man also was with him, for he is a Galilean too. But Peter said, man, I do not know what you are talking about. Call, talk about digging your own grave. But this is the bit that struck me. I'd never seen this before. Because the, the, the different gospels give different accounts, give different details in the accounts. And I'd never seen this before. And it says this. Immediately, when he was still speaking... A rooster, Americanism, a rooster, a cock crowed. The Lord turned and looked at Peter. And Peter remembered the word of the Lord, how he had told him, before a rooster crowed today, you will deny me three times. And he went out and he wept bitterly. This was not a denial where Jesus was miles away. The Bible doesn't say how close they were, but they know where they could see each other. So in the presence of Jesus Christ, on the same day he said, I will go to prison and I will die for you, he denied him. Where's the grace? Where's the faith? Where's the mind ready for action? Where's the spirit that's sober and serious and open and, and, and full? 
it vanished. And so easily it is for us that we can be confident and we can say these things and we can do all of this stuff. But it's so easy for us to become like Peter. We walk out of these doors and all of a sudden you have a conversation and immediately you deny Christ. To say nothing is not, you're not actually saying nothing, you're saying something. You see, the grace, as disciples, that we want to be authentic sons of God, we can't just, we can't build the house of God if we can only be spiritual inside this house. If we don't have faith that there is a grace over our lives, that when, we, when Christ is revealed to you, that you also have the grace to reveal him to someone else. That the works we do, we have to be prepared that the works we do, there will be opposition to that which we will do. Anyone, you look at any of the great people in, 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 in the Bible, they all had opposition. All of them did. When I saw this, and God showed me this, and I, he just, you know those times when you, you know like when you read a book, and you really get into the book, and you be, you're like, it's like you're there. And God, when I was praying, and he showed me this the other week, it's like I was there, and I wept. I couldn't stop weeping. Because to think that I can tell Jesus that I love him, and then I deny him for the rest of the week, just rocked me to the core. And Peter had this, the revelation suddenly came, and he wept bitterly. He had to get away. And church, we've got to, the reason why we must understand these, these, this principle is that if we don't, that's what we'll be like. We'll go out of there and all those shields that we've got and all the sword and the word and the strength and the faith will vanish. And we'll just go around in circles. We'll get the word. We'll sort of a bit of faith. We'll go out up and we pull back. And we've got to be willing to be, for our minds to be ready that, you know what, suffering might come. You know what, opposition might come. You might be in a room where everyone thinks that abortion's okay or gay marriage is okay or, or that a certain philosophy in the world is okay. And are you going to be the one to stand for Christ in that, in that arena? Are you going to be the one when someone says something, you know, I know the answer. I've got the truth in me. Are we bold enough to say, I can sort that out? I can't, but my God can. Because otherwise, all this that we accrue, all this grace, the grace just sits there and is never able to be seen. All, this, all, this, all the, the revelation that Christ can give you, if it's not passed on, what is it useful for? We have to be able to become a people. Now, we, get, we have to start getting ready now. So that as we begin to go out, Whenever that, whatever, in whatever way that is, in however that will be, which we don't know yet, we have to wait for the leading of the Holy Ghost. We're ready. We're prepared. And we make ourselves as people who God can build his house upon this rock, upon these rocks in this room. And the gates of hell will not prevail. So we go into John. Turn with me to John. We're going to finish on John. 
the very last part of John, uh, John 21, I think. I want to give you hope a little bit after this. I don't want you feeling really bad going, I'm such a horrible person. I'm just going to read, just, just take chapter, it's just chapter 21 of John, but I'm just going to read certain extracts from it. Because before this point, in the book of Mark 16, the angel speaks and tells Mary, you know, Jesus has risen. Go and get the disciples and Peter. Go and get the disciples and Peter. The moment, if we deny Christ in this way, we can't call ourselves disciples. There's a consequence of what God can't do. There's a separation that comes from Christ. Not that he rejects us, but we reject because we didn't stay through him. We didn't stay with him. He's always with us. And here, Jesus shows it, and I love it. I love it. This is one of those moving times. He says, all the... It says that uh, Simon Peter, Thomas, called Didymus, Nathaniel from, Ka- um, from Cana in Galilee, the sons of Zebedee, the two of the disciples were together. I'm going out fishing, said Peter. And he goes, we'll go with you. So although Jesus had risen, from the, had risen from the dead and they'd seen him, he'd not been reinstated at this point. So I imagine he's a bit depressed, a bit fed up, because he's realized, flipping heck, now I understand, he raised from the dead. And then how much more, when he denied him, does he realize how bad he feels? Oh. How much more is that going to hit him? How much more? And guys, how much more will it hit us if we don't take hold of these words and then we see what we could have done? We see what we could have got into, what we could have accomplished had we not denied Christ. And it says, my, it says that, oh, blowing my Bible, don't we? And it says, so they went out and got in the boat, but that night they caught nothing. Why? Because your skill without the grace doesn't accomplish the same. Doesn't accomplish the same thing. We can't do it on our own. So, early in the morning, so they'd been there all night. They were still in the boat when morning came. That's a long time. They could have been there for 15 hours. That's a long time to wait for some fish. That's a long time to wait for some fish. I tell you, I'm a patient man, but I'm not that patient. <laughs> I'd have given up and gone home. <laughs> I'd have gone to fishmongers and bought, I'd have gone to chipping, got a cod. <laughs> I, don't think I'd have, I don't think I would have been able to. I, I, I hacked it. But early in the morning, Jesus stood on the shore. You know, whatever storm, whatever we are, Jesus is standing on the shore, waiting for us. Just take these into your spirit. Jesus is always stood on the shore. He's waiting for us. When we need him, he's there. And the disciples didn't realize that it was Jesus. So he called out to them, friends, haven't you got any fish? Duh, No. We're all night, the boat's empty. No, we haven't. He said, 
Throw your net on the right side of the boat. You see, the moment we begin again to obey the word that comes to our lives, the moment again that we become sober in spirit and our minds are ready to do that which we're being asked to do, it says, when they did, they were unable to haul the net in because of the large number of fish. One touch with the grace of God and we can do immeasurably more than we could on our own. When we turn, every time we turn to Christ, he's always waiting for us at the shore. When we read this morning in Psalm 33, he's ready to, he will instruct us. He will show us the way to go. We don't have to be afraid because he's always there showing us how to go, what to say, where to be. Obedience is what he's asking for in this time. That we are prepared to do whatever is asked of us. Then his disciple, then the disciple whom and here we go, here's the, the next, another, another revelation. Then the disciple whom Jesus loved said to him, said to Peter, it's the Lord. It's the Lord. Suddenly they realized who it was. And this response to me just says everything about Peter. It says everything about what he'd been through. It says everything about what he'd realized. He said, and as Peter heard him say, it is the Lord, he wrapped his outer garment around him, because he'd obviously took it off because he was working, and he jumped into the water. Stuff rowing back, I'm swimming. He just got out, and I saw this man whose heart was broken because the man he'd loved and followed, he denied. He suddenly saw that Christ was there again. So he took his robe, and he just, he didn't even think, he just jumped straight into the water. I'm coming for you, Jesus. I'm coming for my Lord. The other disciples followed, more sensibly, in the boat. Towering the nets, towing the nets, full of fish, for they were not far from shore, only about a hundred yards. And when they landed, they saw a fire burning, the coals were there, with fish on it, and some bread. So Jesus said to them, Bring some of the fish he just caught. Simon climbed aboard and dragged the net ashore. It was full of large fish, 153, but even with so many, the net was not torn. Why? Because Christ increases our capacity. The capacity to do things in our own flesh is transformed when we believe in the grace that God can do in this house and can do in your life. The net won't tear. We think that's beyond our, you think something's beyond your capacity. So you, you allow the fear and you allow weakness and you allow your physical limitations and you allow those things to come into you or your whatever it is, whatever limitations you feel you have. And then we just, we can't do it. But Jesus says, just obey me. I'll, I'll use the net you've got. I'll use what you've got and I'll show you how you can catch a fish that's so full. You think it would, it would, it would break. You know, if, 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 if an elevator says it has a maximum weight capacity, there's a reason for that. Because I don't want to be on the 50th floor and then a two-ton whale comes and sits in, gets, in my, gets in my lift. I'm probably going to get to the first floor quite quick. But that's physics. That's, that, that, that's, but, with, but with Christ, we can, our capacity to do more is increased. We can do immeasurably more than what we can ask or imagine. But then he says, come and have breakfast. 
Because as soon as we step into the heavenlies, there's always a meal waiting for us. There's always food prepared for us. The word of life is always prepared for us. The, the fact that we can drink from his cup, the fact that we can feed from his table, we are never shut out from the destiny that God has for us. We're never shut unless we shut ourselves out. Jesus is always willing to welcome us back onto the shore, welcoming us back into his presence, into his arms, into his love, into our destiny. Because right then, Peter was back in the place where his mind was ready. Because the second Jesus appeared, he jumped in. No hesitation. No thought of what, what I might get wet. No thought of how far is it out from shore. No thought of, well, you know, it's quicker in the boat. Well, no thought of anything. He just went with, the, with his heart and his desire for Christ. And that's the desire that we must have. That's the readiness of mind that we must have. That's the spirit of sober, that is sober for the things of God that we must have. That as soon as Christ calls us, we just jump. We just dive in. Let's not take a year or two to work out whether it's what we want or whether we like it or whether when the, when the time comes, when God begins to call on your life, will you be ready to jump in? Are we willing to step in? Are we willing to take responsibility and do what we can and believe that the grace that comes to us, that the revelation that Jesus brings us will do everything else? And so he comes. And they're eating breakfast with Jesus. And then Jesus, but they'd finished and they all went away. Then he had that one-on-one with Peter. Peter, do you truly love me more than these? Do you truly love me? Oh man, what a question. So we're face to face with Jesus and he says, do you really love me more than all this And he says, of course I do. And he says, well, feed my lambs then. And he says it again. Do you really love me? And he's like, you know I love you, Lord. You know I love you. Well, take care of my sheep. And then the third time, do you love me? And Peter was hurt because Jesus asked him that third time, do you love me? He said, Lord, you know all things. You know my weaknesses. You know you know my failings. You know I betrayed you. You know what I did. You know how far I fell. Like the song, you know how far I fell. You know what I've done. Where is it? You know what I've done. You know where I've been. You know how I've fallen. You know my shame, but you've covered it by your grace. You've covered it by your grace. And he says, you know that I love you. So then he says something specific to Peter about how he'll die for him. But then he simply follows it by says, then follow me. And this morning I just felt Christ was, uh, I felt led that this was, this was the revelation God gave us for, for, for right now. Is that do we love him enough to ready our hearts, to ready our minds, 
to truly believe that God can do the things that we've been talking about for a long time. The things that maybe we've never, we've always backed away from. Maybe there's some of you this morning that there's been passions that God's placed in your heart and you've done nothing with it. Because maybe you've, maybe because you've not been serious in your spirit. Maybe because you've not had a sober spirit. So you think, I'll, just, I'll do it at some point. Maybe you've had prophetic words that God spoke over you and he wants you to lead into those areas. So you can build strength and you can build skills and things like that. But you've not, you've been, maybe you've been too afraid to do it. I'm not quite ready. I'm just not quite ready. Why? Because I've got things buzzing around in my mind. Maybe, maybe you've been hurt in the past and maybe you've, been, maybe you've been scolded. Maybe you've been shot down. And maybe you've denied Christ. So you don't want to step into that because you're afraid of denying him again. But you have to know this morning that every time we fail, he's always on the shore. He's always preparing a meal for us. He's always there saying, as long as you come back to me, I'll give you everything you need. As long as you come back to me, I am always, the coal is always burning. The fish are always there. The bread is always there. The food is always, everything that you need is there in my presence. Just come back to my presence and I'll lead you on. Come and follow me. Why don't we stand to our feet? So we come back to the start. Prepare your minds for action. Keep sober in spirit. Fix your hope completely on the grace to be brought to you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. This morning, all he's asking for is just to say, God, I'm going to prepare my mind for you. Lord, I'm going to make a journey. Father, reveal yourself to me. Reveal yourself to me. Again, reveal afresh to me, O oh Lord. Maybe I've let it go. Maybe you've not had that revelation of Jesus Christ yet. Why? Because you've not been serious and you've not been ready. But all he's asking for you to be now is ready. Like Peter, just be ready. Be ready in heart. Before, before Peter knew who Jesus was, his mind was ready because he knew something was in it. And his heart became, became, became willing and open. That's all God's asking for us this morning. As we do that, he'll fill us with his revelation. And then all we have to do is take faith that the grace that he brings to our lives goes further than any limitation we have. Amen. So come on, let's just raise our hands to him. Father God. Father God, come on, just begin to talk to him. Just begin to talk at your heart. If this has impacted your heart this morning, just begin to start to talk to God right now. I don't need, you to, I don't need to tell you what to pray. Just You just begin to talk to God right now. You know where your heart is right now. You know what it is, that where you're at with God right now. Just begin to talk to him right now. Just begin to start to say, God, just begin to communicate and dialogue with Jesus. Oh, Jesus, how I love you. Jesus, how I love you this morning. How I love you, Jesus. Oh, Jesus. Father, prepare my mind for action. Prepare, I, I, I make way in my mind now for action, oh God. Lord, I'm willing to take responsibility for that which you've given me. I'm willing to take a fresh responsibility in my mind. My God, but my spirit, humble my spirit, oh God. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. So right now, God, I sober my spirit to you right now. In the fear of the Lord, in the healthy fear of the Lord. Speak your word, O oh God, for your servant is listening now. Speak it, O oh God. Speak to us, O oh God, this morning. 
Reveal yourself afresh to us, Jesus, this morning. Reveal yourself afresh. Stir our hearts that we may fix our hope on your grace. That we may fix our hope on your grace that transcends all understanding, that goes beyond our, our physical limitations. Oh, Jesus, right now. On these rocks, build your church, oh Jesus. Build it, oh God. Build your church. I'm a willing vessel this morning, God. Build your church, oh God. Build your church on us, oh God. Let this be a house full of rocks, of living stones, of living stones that are willing to be placed together to build the house of Jesus Christ, to build the church of the, of, of the Savior of the world. Father, thank you for the gift of your kingdom. Oh, come on, come on, just speak to him this morning. This is your moment now. This is your moment. This is a moment for you. Age is no barrier. Age is no barrier. Past is no barrier. Your past is covered. Your past cannot determine your future. Your past is your old story. Jesus says, let us write a new story together this morning. Let us write a new story together this morning. Will you take Will you take me at my word? Will you take me at my word? Oh, rababa san kiki shadaraba sababa kodosora kandasi. Si brababa sambara su koroso karasa karasi kide mananana sikirishi. Oh, rababa san gata sikiri. Shikiri Claire. Claire, will you come will you come play for me? I know God, God is, the Holy Spirit is, is roaming this morning. He's, he's waiting. Come on, we're not finished yet. We're not done yet. This word's got to penetrate into the depth of your heart. Cause something to, to change. Something's got to change. Claire. Claire, covered. Do covered. Oh, rabba, you are covered by his grace this morning. He's just saying, follow me. Follow me this morning. Follow me this morning. Come on, just begin to worship him right now. Just, just begin to worship him. Just stay in his presence right now. Thank you for your grace in my life. Mm, grace, wonderful grace. Grace, wonderful grace. Had the cross, love everlasting. Grace, glorious grace. Grace, glorious grace. All the cross, at the cross, all of my sin is covered. Covered. I'm covered by your grace. Oh, I'm covered. I'm covered, I'm covered by your grace, oh, oh.
lift your heart. Lift your eyes to Him right now. Just lift and look upon His beauty. Oh, the grace that's covered your past. So grace, beautiful grace. How beautiful it is. Grace, beautiful grace. At the cross, love everlasting. So grace, powerful grace. Oh, yes. Grace, powerful grace. At the cross, all of my past is covered. It's covered. It's covered by your grace. Oh, I'm covered. Take me as I am. Covered. I come into your arms. I'm covered by your grace. No matter what I've done. So no matter what have done no matter where I've been no matter how I fall you pick me up again you have removed my shame you take me as I am you call me just now I am covered by your grace. Right now, if, if you feel you've been a Peter and you've betrayed Jesus, you've been that kind of Christian that you've gone, you know what, uh, in the house of God, I, I say I love you, I say this, I say that, but every time I step outside the house, I feel I betray you, I deny, I deny you. Right now, I just feel Jesus saying, it's okay, I'm forgiving you right now this morning. Don't let that hold you anymore. Your past is, is, is right this second. Bring it before me right now. This is, not a, this, is not a, a, this is not a time to go away and then feel depressed all afternoon because you've, de- you've denied him. This is not about that. Jesus is saying, it's okay. I understand. I knew it was going to happen to Peter. And I prayed for him. I sought him. I desired him. And I still desire him. That's why I made a way for him to come back to me. That's why I will always make a way for you to come back to me. There is nothing you can do that will separate me and you from your love. There's nothing that can separate us from the love of Jesus Christ. No power. Nothing can separate us. But right now it's time to take a fresh, a fresh day. Today's a new day. Let a new nature begin to rise in you this morning. Let a new nature begin to rise in that says, you know what? I'm sick of denying my Christ. I'm sick of holding back and not seeing the grace come in my life. See His his Word, the truth that is is stored in me from flowing out. So right now we cover this. Jesus says, I'll cover it this morning. He says, come and have breakfast with me. Come and eat with me. Come and be at my table in my kingdom. I give you that right this morning. He gave it to His disciples. He's giving it to you this morning. Come, let us be at the table with Jesus this morning. Come on, just begin to talk to him. Say, Father God, forgive me. Forgive me for the time. 
Forgive me for those times I've abandoned you. Forgive me for those times that I've not stayed with you when I've been in trials. When things have come to me and I've walked away, I've blamed you, I've, 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 I've walked away, I've, I've, I've stopped coming to church, I've stopped praying, I've stopped believing. But Lord God, right now, thank you. Forgive me, Father. I step into your forgiveness. Right now, just, just step into the forgiveness right now. I want you right now just to step into the forgiveness of Jesus. It's open to you this morning. The throne of grace is open to you this morning. Oh, Jesus. Father, forgive me. I repent of the times that I've, I've, I've walked the wrong way. I've denied you, oh God. But Father God, thank you that in your, in your blood I am forgiven. Thank you that you stand on the shore. That I can come again and be with you at your table. And eat of your food. And be in your presence. Come on, just speak to him right now. Just speak to him. Oh, holy God. Beautiful Savior. Beautiful Savior. Your love is everlasting. Your love is unfailing. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Oh, beautiful grace. Just let that grace rest on you right now. Just let it begin to rest on you. Oh, just begin to see the weight lifted off your shoulders. Just let the weight, let the guilt fall away right now. Let it just fall off you. It's no longer anymore. It no longer has a hold of you. A new nature is coming upon you right now. Just begin to declare a new nature over yourself. Begin to receive. Say, Lord, I receive a new nature right now in Jesus Christ. I receive a new nature. Because out of that new nature will come boldness. Out of that new nature will come understanding. But out of that new nature will come a revelation. Out of that understanding will come the life you desire me to have. Lord, my mind is ready for action. I'm willing to do what is necessary. My heart is open to you. Oh, Jesus, we thank you. Thank you, Jesus. Praise God. Do you sense his presence this morning? You are covered. We are covered this morning. We are covered this morning. Amen. For blessed is he whose transgressions are forgiven, whose sins are covered. Blessed is the man whose sin the Lord does not count against him. When I acknowledged my sin to you and did not cover my iniquity, I said, I will confess my transgressions the Lord to the Lord, and you forgave me. Therefore, let everyone who is godly pray to you. And this morning, thank you, God, that I will instruct you and teach you in the way you should go. I will counsel you and I will watch over you. Come on, just thank you. Say, God, thank you that you watch over me. Thank you that you are my counsel. Thank you that you lead me every day. Thank you that I can always see you on the shoreline. You're never away from me. Thank you that I'm forgiven. Thank you that I'm free. Thank you that I am a a child of God. This morning, how great is your name? How great is your name? How worthy are you to be praised? Come on, church. give Give him some praise this morning. 
Give him some praise this morning. Oh, thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Because of you, we are free. Because of you, we are free. We are free in the name of Jesus. Oh, yes, Lord. Thank you. Come on, let's give him a standing ovation this morning to our God. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus.